following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Good Sunday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arts, the afternoon radio theater Sunday. And um, I kind of like to call it a Sunday because I like to put in, you know, different layers like you would fix up a Sunday and then put the whipped cream on top or the cherry on top or both, whatever, whatever your preference is. I don't like the cherries on top, so I always take them off. But <laughs> well, we've got such a cute cherry this time. Oh <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> I mean, curly hair and all, blonde locks. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have some curls. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do. <laughs> We've got a cherry for them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, you know, animal crackers and all, but they, but it's a cherry. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was going to surprise them with that. <laughs> oh. Well, you're still surprising them with it. You blew it because you done told them what it was. Well, I didn't tell them anything. You're the one who told them. I didn't mention who or what it was. Okay, I guess you didn't. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm Monica, and this is my um, technical cohort in the background here, Victor. Hello, everybody. And um, I hope you'll enjoy the show. We've got um, some fun things lined up for you um we're gonna do a kids um we're we're doing a kids show today um dedicated to kids and i think and what i'm gonna start doing uh victor had asked me and sometimes i do what he wants depends on how he treats me the rest of the week um i know but, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> now you got me tickled and I lost my thought. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm gonna, um, I'm thinking that what I'm gonna do is each week I'm gonna put, um, a children's show on. I mean, I'll add it in with the mix. And, um, you know, if you like what you hear, then, um, Give us some comments. Uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to hear anything that you want to hear. And um, you can you can t- 
tweet to us. Uh, you can tweet um, at Blind Who's. That's uh, the Who's Blind Life Is It Anyway place. Um, or you can uh, do it on Facebook. Who's Blind Life Is It Anyway? Or you can tweet me directly at uh, I'm at Moni60. That's M-O-N-N-I six zero. Or you can email me at coffeegal62 at gmail.com. It's just like it sounds, coffee and then gal, G-A-L. Um, but anyway, um, and if you don't like any of those options, just go find us on any kind of podcast you want to. And we're there. But anyhow, um, have I covered everything? I think so. Yeah. Um, would you like to start out with Quiz Kids? Sure, we can. All right. All right. We will play. Uh, yeah, quiz kids. This sounds cool. <laughs> Here they are, the quiz kids, presented by the makers of Alka Seltzer. We're on the air with the school kids questionnaire. Quiz Kids, five bright, lovable youngsters ready for another difficult examination in the Alka-Seltzer schoolroom of the air. The examination tonight will be conducted in exactly the same manner as all our regular Wednesday night Quiz Kid programs. And as usual, none of the children have seen or heard any of the questions in advance. I'll say we haven't. Let's get going. <laughs> all questions were sent in by you listeners and were selected by Sidney L. James of the editorial staffs of Time and Life magazine. I don't care who sent them in. Let's get going. That's all right. <laughs> A new well, I can portable them, radio you know. will be awarded the sender of each question used on this program tonight. Oh. And now our chief quizzer himself, Joe Kelly. Thank you, Ken Carpenter, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we'll proceed directly to the roll call. Richard? I'm Richard Williams. I'm 11 years old, and I'm in the sixth grade at Harrison School, East Chicago, Indiana. Jack Lucal? I'm Jack Lucal. I'm 14 years old, and I'm a freshman at the Oak Park and River Forest Township High School. Joan? I'm Joan Bishop. I'm 14 years old, and I go to the Chicago School for Adults. Claude? I'm Claude Brenner. I'm 12 years old, and I'm a sophomore at Sen High School in Chicago. Gerard? I'm Gerard Darrow. I'm eight years old, and we go to the Bradwell School on Burnham. And Jackie? I am Jackie Benny. I am six years old. Now, I, I didn't have a chance to go to school at all. I, I was just a poor boy, and I used to stand on the corner selling papers, <laughs> barefooted in the winter. And I used to say, extra, extra, paper here. Get your paper. Quiet, please. Hmm. Fine chance I'm going to have here, I can see that. <laughs> you know. 
Now, Jackie, please. I know please. just as much as the kids, you know. He just asked the questions, that's all. That's Jackie, please. And incidentally, where are your curls? What? Where are your curls? On my lap. They got hot. <laughs> well, while we're getting ready for our first question, just a word or two from Ken Carpenter. Here's a word of friendly advice to all you parents and older folks. Alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Yes, the next time you eat too much or too fast or eat while under stress and strain, alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer is just the thing to relieve the misery of acid indigestion and distress after meals. It helps to neutralize excess stomach acid, so often the immediate cause of the distress of an upset stomach. That isn't all. You see, Alka-Seltzer is a pain reliever also. And if you have a sickish headache along with the stomach upset, Alka-Seltzer can bring you mighty comforting relief in both of these disturbances. Be wise. Take Alka-Seltzer. You'll feel better fast. You said it. <laughs> Quiet, please. We will now start with the questions. All right, quiz kids. R.S. Hart of Seattle, Washington says that he was in the desert and after taking an analysis of the only water available found that it was 100% aquafontis. Would you drink such water? Joan? Yes, I would. Well, can you give us anything further? Well, aquafontis is, uh, is fountain water. That's right. It's, uh, well, it's really spring water, uh, Joan. Oh, yes, yeah, spring water, yeah. Joan. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Kelly, it's spring water. Yes, I know, it says so on my card here. I know. That's where I saw it before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the next question. Pete McDonald of Vernonia, Oregon, a schoolboy who says that he never enjoyed anything in school but recess until he began listening to the quiz kids, sends in this one. Incidentally, he adds that his grades are improving. Here it is. If you had something that contained a prothorax, a mesothorax, a and a metathorax... A, a mesowat? What did you say? A meso... Mesowat? A mesothorax. Oh, a mesothorax. That's right. <laughs> and a metathorax, what would you have? Gerard? Gerard, you answer. You had your hand up first. <laughs> Mr. Benny, yeah. don't butt in, please. Well, I just thought maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can I see I'm that... certainly going to have a fine Mr. chance Kelly, here today. The All right, Gerard. The thorax and the metathorax and the prothorax are all part of the thorax, which is a part of the gra of an insect on the um. The thorax is the part between the abdomen and the head, and an insect. Well, good for you, Gerard. That was marvelous. <laughs> That's very good. I used to know that when I went to school. But, you know, when you get older, you forget those things. That's <laughs> can't remember everything. Now, our next question... I used to know algebra, too, when I went to school. <laughs> Quiet, please. Oh. Mrs. Burdette E. Truesden of New York City says you can prove you have a good background by naming at least three persons whose names will live forever because their names have been used to identify their chief contribution to humanity. For example, the name of Wrenchen is perpetuated in the word Wrenchenology. Uh, Claude? Uh, Nobel. He was a Swiss scientist who discovered dynamite, and he... Uh, uh, 
people, he gives out prizes to people who do something great for the world. That's fine, uh, Claude. Uh, let's see what Joan has to offer. Well, there's Calvinism. That's a doctrine as, as to the uh, downfall of man. And Darwinism, uh, the uh, theory of anthropology. Very good, Joan. Jack Lucal? Well, there's uh, Alessandro Volta. His name is perpetuated in the volt, which by which we measure electricity. And James Watt, uh, they use his name, too, for the watt. That's really nice going, Jack Lucal. Uh, uh, let's see, Richard? Well, uh, Martin Luther in the, Lu in the World Lutheran, which is a church, and uh, uh, Dr. Ronson, who discovered the Ronson rays. That's very, very good, uh, Richard. Um, Jackie has his hand up. What? Well, there was there's a fellow named Max. He he had something to do with the Maxwell. <laughs> Max. The Maxwell. Now wait a minute, Jackie. There's no connection there. There is two. A fellow named Max sold me my car. There it is. Max Maxwell. Name well, was Max Miller. Certainly got a fine chance on this program. Should have stayed well, on my own Jello show. It's beside the point, but we'll accept it as half right. Well, uh, Claude. Uh, also, there's Jean Francois Ampere. He uh, he had something to do with electricity, and his name lives in the Ampere. Oh, the Ampere. That's the Ampere. Right, <laughs> Jack Lucal. Well, um, there's um, a Cadillac and LaSalle were French explorers, and uh, their names are names of automobiles. <laughs> Very good, Jack Lucal. I guess that will hold Jackie for a while. All right, our next question. Of course, if everybody's going to get laughs on this program, I'm going home. <laughs> Gerard? Well, uh, there's also a DeSoto who uh, was named after the Mars. <laughs> and he was a Spanish explorer that found the Mississippi. That's right, uh, uh, Gerard. I'm glad you brought that up. Now then, what about Johnny Sheb that made the Chevrolet? For <laughs> heaven's sake. You're going to go into that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Johnny Sheb. What about Harry Stood? Well, I can answer a million of them, you know. Ask me the questions, that's all. We'll all withdraw from the garage right now and get into our next question. Uh, Miss Margaret Faith of Chandler, New Jersey, poses this mountain climbing and mathematics problem. A mountain climber was making his way along a mountainside ledge. Wait, pardon me. Uh, who was it asked the question, you see? Miss Margaret Margaret Faith of Camden, New Jersey. Oh, Camden, New yes. Jersey, I see. Important question. Let's see, where are Oh, yeah, here I am. Right here. A mountain climber was making his way along a mountainside ledge at an altitude of 6,440 feet. While edging his way, he accidentally kicked a rock which went flying toward the bottom of the mountain at some animals who had to scurry for shelter. Ignoring the friction of the air... How long did the animals have to reach safety before the rock hit? Now, you've got to do this in your heads, kids. No pencil and paper. What is the, the last question again, please? How, many, how long did it take what? 
Well, that is the question. How long did it take? Uh, one minute and 43 seconds. That's wrong. <laughs> Certainly got a fine chance here. Richard? 20 seconds. 20 seconds? Seconds is correct. <laughs> well, no wonder he squared the root. I tripled it. <laughs> well, nice going, kids. And though I don't think you need it, you can rest a moment now. It's recess time. We've been telling you over and over again about Alka-Seltzer. We've told you how good it is, how convenient and economical, and how fast it can bring relief in the distress of so many common ailments. And now suppose we let Alka-Seltzer speak for itself. All right, first of all, we take two Alka-Seltzer tablets from the package and drop them into a glass of water. Listen. You hear that fizzing, sparkling sound? <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, it is good. It looks good, tastes good, and is so good for relief in so many common ailments. That's Alka-Seltzer, all right. The two-in-one remedy. Two kinds of relief in one glass. First, Alka-Seltzer is a pain reliever, just what you want for relief of headache or sore aching muscles. And second, Alka-Seltzer is an alkalizer, just what you need when excess acid upsets your stomach and causes distress. Be sure to try a sparkling glass of Alka-Seltzer the next time any of these annoying ailments cause you trouble, see for yourself how good it is, how fast it can make you feel better. Ask your druggist for Alka-Seltzer. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Quiz Kids, presented every Wednesday night at this time by the makers of Alka-Seltzer. Now, just a word about the questions. You can win a new Zenith portable radio with patented built-in wave magnet if you send us a question which our question editor finds suitable for use on the air. Yes, Alka-Seltzer awards a famous Zenith portable radio for each question used on this program. Just mail your questions by postcard or letter to Quiz Kids, National Broadcasting Company, Chicago. That's Quiz Kids, National Broadcasting Company, Chicago. We reserve the right to reword questions, and if like questions are submitted, the first received will be used. All questions become the property of Quiz Kids. So send in your question and win a radio. You better right, see Joe, that I get that hundred dollar the... bond too. That's all I worry about. <laughs> all right, Joe, you ready with the scores at the halfway point? Yes, Ken. But in deference to our guest contestant, I hesitate to read them. I think I'll just let them go until after the second question session. Maybe a miracle will happen. Uh, by the way, Richard, I, uh, that last question we had before the bell. Uh, can you tell us how you work that out? Well, Mister uh, Kelly, uh, anybody falling through space disregarding the friction of the air, accelerates at the rate of 32 and two-tenths miles per feet per second. And so, and the rule is, the distance equals the time in seconds squared times half of the acceleration per second. And, and in this case, it was 6,440 feet equals uh, 16 and one-tenth times the time squared. So I divided 6,440 6, by 16 and one-tenth and got 400, which is the square of the time in seconds. And I extracted the square root, and that gave me 20. And so the answer is 20 seconds. Good for you, Richard, my boy. 
Now, you see, uh, you see, where I made my mistake there, you see, I took the, um, I took the least common multiple there. I, that's where I got wrong. That's where I got the minute 43 seconds in there, you see. You're I sort of square-rooted it there. In yes, the that's what I say. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get along here now. Uh, here's a question from Mrs. Daniel Stormont of Evanston, Illinois. 5,280 feet is one mile. Uh, what? What did I you said say? 5,280 feet is one mile. Well, nobody asked that one. Well, if they do, I'm ready. Watch out. <laughs> All right, we'll continue. All right. If you told the election board you were a mugwump, would Who's you be mugwump? listed as a Republican, Democrat, Socialist, or Independent? Now, there is a tough one. If you told the election board you were a mugwump, would you be listed as a Republican, Democrat, Socialist, or Independent? I wouldn't tell anybody I was a mugwump. <laughs> Ridiculous. Huh, Claude? Well, uh, Claude? I'll take a guess. I say an independent. <laughs> That's right, but uh, how did you guess it? I just guessed. Oh, you just guessed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you see, uh, the political name of uh, Mugwump, uh, well, let's see what Joan has to say. Well, I rather thought it was independent, too, because there's a column in one of our Chicago papers called Mugwump. <laughs> That's um, true. politics. But you see, the political name of uh, Mugwump started in 1884 when it was applied to supporters of James G. Blaine, who switched to Cleveland because of his civil service views. Blaine was a Republic, Republican candidate for president. Uh, uh, Jackie? I, I know what a mugwump is. Oh. You do? You see, a mugwump right. is a bird that sits on the fence with its mug on one end and its wump on the other <laughs> Have a little more discipline, please. Well, I'm getting back to the political situation, uh, Jackie Benny, who was president of the United States in 1901? Grover Cleveland. That's wrong. Well, I ought to know I voted for him. <laughs> it was Grover Cleveland. You're wrong. It was William McKinley. Just wish I had a history book, brother. That's all. I've got one. Well, give it to me. I got a low chair here. <laughs> Grover Cleveland, that's who it was. Let's continue with the next question. Pauline Salzman of Grand Rapids, Michigan, found well, these ads Grover in the paper. Cleveland, you know, I know Grover Cleveland. Because... Quiet, please. I'd like to present this question. Pauline Salzman of Grand Rapids, Michigan, found these ads in the paper. She would like you to tell her just what is advertised. Here's the first item. For rent, colonial estate near Charlottesville, Virginia, designed by owner... Adjoining buildings make a state virtually a community. Right owner, T.J., Charlottesville, Virginia. Jackie Benny, you've, you're holding your hand up. I'm waving at some friends in the audience. <laughs> I can have friends in the audience, can't I? Hello, Mamie. <laughs> well, let's uh, complete this question, uh, Richard. Monticello. Monticello, the home of... Thomas Jefferson. That's right, That's Richard. right. Good view. Here's the next item. 
for it's sale. Friends in the audience, you know. What the devil? I, mean, uh, I don't know you're superior. Quiet, uh, <laughs> quiet, please. Here's the second part of this uh, question: for sale, sacrifice, ten million dollar marble building in the land of Veda. Stands on 313-foot square marble terrace, absolutely unique as architect's eyes poked out after construction completed. Claude? That's the Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal in India. Good for you. And it took, it took 22,000 men 22 years to build it. And, and I'm right about Grover Cleveland, too. Frank was the color of the scarf for Ellen. Joan? Blue. Blue is right. Good for you. 1901 was Grover Cleveland. I know because I won a pair of cloth top shoes on the election. Remember that. We'll uh, forget about the Grover Cleveland. Uh, I won't forget about it. <laughs> well, uh, this next question here. Burns uh, me up, you know. Over here, Quiet, please. Tommy Haycomb. Tommy Haycomb. Tommy Haycomb. Now, Jack. Tommy Haycomb. I'm uh, reading a name. All right. Read the name. All, All right. right. Quiet. Tommy Haycomb. I'm not getting paid for this, you know. I just can't. Oh, well, I guess that's what, that's what burns me up, you know. Connie Haycomb. Listen, Jackie. Yes. I'm beginning to think that you're getting into what little hair I've got left. Well, I can always tell you where to get a toupee. You know. Quiet. <laughs> Connie Haytop of Minneapolis, Minnesota, wants you to sing or hum these notes as I give them to you and stop me as soon as you recognize the scales you are singing. All right, here's the first one. C. Oh. That was Joan. <laughs> All right, Joan. D. Oh. E flat. Oh. F. Oh. G. Oh. A flat. Oh. B. Oh. C. Oh. Do you recognize the scale? That's the harmonic minor. That's very good. All right. Here's if the I next had one. my violin here, I'd have gotten it. <laughs> Here's the next one. C. Uh, C sharp. Uh, D. Uh, D sharp. Uh, e. Uh, F. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We've got some other hands up. I'm going to give this one to uh, Claude. That's a chromatic. Chromatic is correct. Good for you, Claude. Good for you, and here is the last one. C, D, E flat, F, G, A, B, C, B flat. Richard? That's the uh, melodic. Melodic is good. Good for you, kids. 
One of the silliest questions I've ever heard. Ask me something once in a while. Now, uh, uh, quiz kids, you'll need mythology. Waving my hand all the time. Nobody even calls on you. You'll You'll need mythology as well as ornithology to answer this one. Ethel Baker of St. Louis, Missouri, wants to know why peacock feathers... Is that Paul Baker's sister, Ethel? (laughs) That isn't Paul Baker's sister, is it? When you want to talk, Jackie, will you please hold up oh, your hand? Because I, I know an Ethel Baker, you know. I, I see. Paul Baker's sister. Well, remember oh, to hold up your hand when you want to say something. All right, I'll hold up my hand. Say, <laughs> you sit there. What are you, the boss or something? Uh, quiet, please. Last time I'll come on this show. You're telling us. <laughs> Now, let's see, where am I? Oh, yes, here I am right here. I care, but it just... (laughs) (laughs) Ethel Baker of St. Louis, Missouri, wants to know why peacock feathers are spotted. Gerard? The peacock has eyes in his tail feathers because uh, of a mere myth. You see, when uh, a long time ago, when Jupiter uh, married Juno... After a few years, he became jealous of her, and he turned her into a calf, and he sent Argus to watch her. But Juno turned herself right back into her regular form, and Argus was the one that had a hundred eyes in his head, and Juno killed Argus and put the eyes in the peacock's tail. Well, thank you very much, Gerard. That was a very fine description. Jackie, I see you've got your hand up. I'm wiping my forehead. It's hot here. He raise his hand. Fine, we'll continue. Ridiculous questions, I ever heard. James Wilson, Jr. of Toledo, Ohio, wants you to compose a second line to his one-line verse. Here it is. Fred Allen has a funny show. I'm going home. Now, you keep your seat. All right, Fred Allen has a funny show. Let's hear a second line to that. Joan? Fred Allen has a funny show, but there's not a thing he doesn't know. <clears throat> Very good, Joan. All right, uh, let's have another one. Funny about that show, boy. Gerard? When Mr. Benny hears that, he'll surely blow. <laughs> All right, uh, Jackie, what have you got to offer? Fred Allen has a funny show. How he does it, I don't know. His jokes are old, his gags ain't funny. He ought to be paid in Confederate money. (laughs) The end. Now then, here is really one for you, Jackie Benny. Listen to this. My father's listening in. Yeah. All right, tell me, how many strings on a violin? Five. Uh, I mean four. Four. Very good. How do you spell rosin? R-O-S-O-N. Rosin. That's wrong. It's R-O-S-I-N. Can't understand it. I've been using it for years. (laughs) Well, there's the bell, kids. I'll have your scores in just a moment. If you had your vitamins today, well, here's the answer to your daily vitamin A and D problem. 
Take one-a-day brand vitamin A and D tablets now offered and guaranteed by the makers of Alka-Seltzer. Each one-a-day tablet is equal in vitamin A and D content to two whole teaspoonfuls of cod liver oil, meeting minimum United States pharmacopoeia standards. One-a-day is all you take, one-a-day is all you need, and a penny a day is all it costs. Listen to these low prices. 30 tablets, 35 cents, 90 tablets, only 85 cents, and 180 tablets, only a dollar and a half. One-a-day is all you take, and one penny a day is all it costs. Remember, one-a-day brand vitamin A and D tablets have been developed and are guaranteed by the makers of Alka-Seltzer, tested and approved by Good Housekeeping Bureau, and commended by Consumer Service Bureau of Parents Magazine. Every member of your family should take one-a-day tablets every day. Ask your druggist for one-a-day tablets. That's the name, one-a-day brand. Look for the big one on the package. When I got rolling, the show had to be over. Well, kids, as a group, you missed only one question tonight, and the individual winners are Richard first, Joan second, and Claude third. Of course, I knew I wouldn't be in. I congratulate you. I... I congratulate you, as I said before. I congratulate all you quiz kids and take pleasure in presenting to each of you, in behalf of the makers of Alka-Seltzer, a $100 denomination United States savings bond. And Jackie Benny, I don't have one for you. You see, these bonds are to help the children pay for their future education, and we didn't think you'd spend your money in going to college. But here's a Zenith portable radio. Maybe you can learn something listening to the quiz kids every Wednesday night. Well, at least I can hock the radio. I can get something. <laughs> Friends, we'll be back in Chicago next week, and we'll resume competition with only the three highest scorers remaining, remaining for the su succeeding examination. The three winners on our last competitive program were Claude, Richard, and Jack. Completing the board will be Gerard and Joan, the same children on the program tonight. Meanwhile, this is Joe Kelly dismissing the Quiz Kids class until next Wednesday at this same time. Good night, kids. Come on, ask some more questions. Let's get going here. Come on. Okay, now we're going to do um, a show that I, I think is a cute show. It kind of reminds me of back in the day when I started school in 1964. I didn't know about Let's Pretend, but uh, uh, my first grade teacher had these cute dramatized records that she would play uh, during rest period. So uh, this is what Let's Pretend reminds me of. They act out a little story. And um, this one they're going to act out is called Bluebeard. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy The one we, we were supposed to play last yeah, week. Yeah, the one we tried to play last week. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> we failed miserably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I didn't. The, the, the file did. <laughs> I was ready to play it. So... No, we don't ever fail at anything. Well. <laughs> shame, shame on me for even suggesting it. Well, no, don't go that far. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, here's, here's Bluebeard.
it every day. We sing this song, it will make us strong, and it makes us shout, hooray! It's good for growing babies and grown-ups too to eat. For all the family's breakfast, you can't beat cream of wheat. Cream of wheat, the great American family cereal presents Let's Pretend. Thank you, thank you for that nice reception, audience, and welcome to Let's Pretend. How about that story? Well, let's see. Gwen, Sybil, let's get some action. We've got plenty of action for today, Uncle Bill. Tell him, Gwen. Well, it's a story we've had hundreds of requests for, Uncle Bill Bluebeard. How do you get that, Uncle Bill Bluebeard? (laughs) I'm not a mean fellow. Of course you're not, Uncle Bill. But if you were, you'd get just what was coming to you, just like he does. Oh, in other words, everything comes out all right? Everything, except for the fellow who did wrong. And wicked people have to be punished, you know. Well, I'll buy that. All right, how do we travel? Well, it's Jack Grimes' turn to say. All right, Gwen. I'll tell you what, uh, let's get there in a hurry, huh? Uh, let's make it a fire engine. All right, Jack, a fire engine it is. Everybody set? One, two, three. We're headed straight for Let's Pretend and the story of Bluebeard, a fire engine with a clang, clang, clang. Let's go! Hold on to your hat, Uncle Bill. We're out to set a new speed record. Once upon a time, long years ago, there was a dark and gloomy castle high up on a lonely mountain. In it lived a mysterious man named Bluebeard. No one knew much about him. Most of the villagers feared him and went out of their way to avoid him. Just recently, they had heard he had returned from a journey, bringing a new wife with him, but no one had seen her. As our story begins, Bluebeard and his bride are looking through the many rooms of the castle. Now, you've seen your new home, Lady Nydia. And if you are a nice, obedient wife, I dare say you'll be very happy here. Oh, my dear husband, with all this luxury and beauty around me, I'm sure I shall be. What does this door lead to? That leads to the room furnished in solid gold. Oh, how lovely. And this door, what is in it? To the room of precious stones. Diamonds are in that room in large silver baskets. Rubies, too, that overflow their urns of bronze. Oh, I have never known such wealth. Oh, that room at the far end of the hall, Bluebeard? (laughs) That I cannot tell you. And listen to me well, Nydia. You must never, never enter that room. Every other room in the castle is open to you. All except that one. But why, my lord? That is my business. Only obey me if you know what is best for you. And now say goodbye to me, for I must leave you for a short while. Oh, you are going away so soon. (laughs) I cannot let a new wife stand in the way of business adventures. Here are the keys to all the rooms. Each one is marked. Take them. Enter whenever you will or whatever room you choose. All but this one. Now, don't hope to deceive me, for I shall know if you disobey. And I warn you, you will pay dearly for it. And now, farewell. Farewell, my lord. I wonder where he's going. 
Oh, well, there's plenty to do while he's away. This is the key to the gold room. This one to the silver. That's the key to the diamond room. And this one must be to the forbidden room. Hmm, I wonder what's in the forbidden room. But I mustn't disobey my husband. No, I won't go in. What's that? I I hear a sound. Did it come from the forbidden room? Oh, it it couldn't. Oh, it it did come from behind that door. Oh, I I can't pass by. But, But I must know. I shall open the door and see for myself. Oh, Andres. Oh, oh, heaven help me. Oh, Bluebeard, you fiend, you fiend, you fiend. Lydia, where are you? Here, my lord. Welcome home. And have you been a sweet, obedient little wife while I've been gone? You remembered all that I told you? Yes, my lord. Good. And now, dear Nydia... Give me the keys that I left with you. Yes, Bluebeard. Here they are. Thank you. Now, let me see. What's this? What do I see? What do you see, Bluebeard? Have you disobeyed me? Have you gone to the forbidden room? No, no, Bluebeard. Of course not. What what makes you ask? Then why is the spot of blood on the magic key? Magic key? You didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that when the door was opened, a spot of blood appeared on the key. You thought to fool me, Bluebeard. Told you I'd know. Now then, Nydia, prepare to meet your doom. Like all the others who have disobeyed me. Oh, you fiend! You, you wicked fiend! Let me go! Let me go! You fiend! Please come in, Sister Anne, and you too, brothers. Oh, of course, Mister. What did you want to talk to us about, Fatima? Yes, sister, you sounded very serious. It is serious, Thomas. And I want you and you, Frederick, to advise me. Oh, then it evidently doesn't concern me. Oh, but it does, Anne, very much. Well, then, tell us, sister. Well, as you know, of course, Bluebeard seems to be very much in love with me. He certainly seems to be, Fatima. You couldn't mistake it. Couldn't you? Sometimes I do. What do you mean, sister? He's been charming, I know, and while I like him very much... There are times that something about him frightens me, too. I, I don't understand it, and I don't know what to do. Well, until you're quite sure, Fatima, I'd do nothing. But that's why I wanted to talk to all of you. You see, he's coming for his answer today. Well, I don't see how you can hesitate. The richest man in the country, attractive, he can give you everything you want. What more can you ask? Anne, if I consent... Will you come and live with me, at least for a while? In that beautiful castle with all the luxury that goes with it? I should say I would. And Frederick and Thomas, if I'm ever in danger, will you come to me? What a strange request. But of course we will, Fatima. How would our brothers know? Well, that's simple, Anne. If at any time you need us, Fatima, place a mirror in the tower window where the sun's rays will strike it. A mirror? Yes, we'll see it. And don't forget, we have the fastest horses in the country. We'll come to you immediately. Well, that must be Bluebeard now. I'll go. How do you do, Anne? Good afternoon, Bluebeard. Come in, please. Thank you. How do you do, sir? Good afternoon. Won't you sit down, Bluebeard? Thank you, Fatima. How lovely you look today. 
I'm glad you think so. Thomas? Yes? Uh, Frederick, huh? let's make some tea. Help me, won't well, you? Since when have you needed help for that? <laughs> Ever since I found I have two such dumb brothers. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. oh, yes, of course. Uh, excuse us, won't you, Bluebeard? Yes. So sorry you must leave us. <laughs> you look it. Come, boys. My darling, at last we're alone. You know, of course, why I've come. Yes, Bluebeard. And what is my answer? I... Fatima, dearest one, make me the happiest man in the kingdom. Say you will be my wife. Do you really love me so very much? How could I help it? So young, so beautiful. Say you will be mine. Yes, Bluebeard. I will be your wife. Fatima, my dear. No. Please. Please don't kiss me yet. My timid little dove. Very well. It shall... What are you looking at? Your hair, Fatima. Those long black braids around your head like a crown. When you let it down, it must hang nearly to the floor, doesn't it? Yes, almost. Bluebeard. Yes, Fatima. I, I have a favor to ask. Anything, my dear. When we are married, do you mind if my sister Anne visits with us for a while? Any particular reason, Fatima? Well, only that I... I've never been away from my home before, and it would seem less strange but if she... you'll have plenty of company. Very soon. Why should I? I don't know anyone in your village. <laughs> but I'm sure you will. Soon. But my sister... Why not? In the quarters where you will spend a great deal of your time. <laughs> there will be room for Anne, too. Young and lovely Fatima, in spite of a feeling of fear, finally accepted Bluebeard's proposal of marriage. But before she gave her answer, she made her sister Anne promise to journey with her to his castle. Then she and her two brothers arranged that, should she ever need them, a mirror was to be placed in the castle tower. The reflection of the sun on it would tell them she was in danger and they would come to her. We find the beautiful bride with her sister Anne walking through the magnificent corridors of the castle as Bluebeard talks with them. And so, Fatima, I must go away. But you will be a good little wife, and Anne here will keep you company. Besides, I have given you the keys to all the rooms in the castle. Open them and inspect their treasures to your heart's content. All but this one room. Don't use the little key or unlock the door it fits. You'll regret it all your life. Do you understand? Yes, my lord. I have no desire to pry into what doesn't concern me. Others have said that too, but curiosity overcame good judgment. However, we shall see what you do. Goodbye. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> What do you think is behind this door we're forbidden to enter, Anne? Probably just another room of silver and gold or jewels. I've never seen such wealth. Oh, Fatima, you're a lucky girl. You're not afraid anymore, are you? I think Bluebeard is most considerate. As long as he has his own way in everything. But once he's angry, I dare not think what he would do. That's a lovely tapestry on the wall there, isn't it? Beautiful. The whole corridor is lovely. Anne... 
What do you think happened to his other wives? What's that? I hear nothing. Probably the wind. I think Thomas was wrong. I don't believe he's been married so many times. Listen. I hear groans. Don't you hear them? Yes, I do. Fatima, they come from behind the forbidden door. His other wives. He's holding them prisoners. That's what's happened to them. They're locked in there, and, and I have the key. Come, in. You mustn't be afraid. I shall open the door and release them. This is the key to it. There. <gasps> Merciful heaven. Oh, my sister Fatima, don't faint. Pull yourself together. Everything's going black. I can't see. Get me out of here. Moran. And what shall we do? Get help as quickly as possible and release those poor women before Bluebeard returns. We can't manage it alone. Where are the keys? Oh, Fatima. There's a drop of blood on the one that unlocks this door. Take your handkerchief. Wipe it off quickly. It won't come off. Look, look. What shall we do? Go to my room and scour it. And put the signal in the window for our brothers to come to us. Upstairs. Quickly, sister. Oh, beast. What if he should return before our brothers get here? Oh, Anne. Don't give way. Bluebeard must not know. You must be calm and act as if nothing had happened until help arrived. The signal. What if they don't see it? Oh, quick, Anne, to the tower. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> Guarded with everything I know, the spot is still there. Try again. There must be something. It's blood. There's something that'll remove the stain. I'm so terrified, I can't think. Try. Bluebeard may return at any moment. Fatima! <gasps> Fatima, my love. Bluebeard. I am home. Come downstairs and greet your lord and husband. And dear. Yes, my lord. I come. Oh, try, Anne. Scar the key again while I go to greet him. I'm coming, Bluebeard. Greetings, my lord. You are pale, Fatima. Is anything wrong? Oh, no, Bluebeard. My, my head aches a little, that's all. Well, I can cure that. Give me the keys. There is a special herb in the silver room that will cure you immediately. Oh, no, no. I, I don't need it. My head will be all right soon. Silly wife. You are quite pale. You need some medicine and I'll get it for you. Give me the keys. There. There they are, Bluebeard. Thank you. What's this? Fatima, one key is missing. Where is it? One key is missing, Bluebeard? Oh, which one? The one to the forbidden room. Where is it? Oh, it, it must have dropped in my room. I, I'll run upstairs and get it. Excuse Make me. Make haste. I want all the keys. Yes, my lord. I'll get it. Oh, Anne. Is the spot of blood still on the key? Heaven help us, it is. Oh, what shall we do? Give me the key, and then stay there by the window to tell me when our brothers are in sight. Perhaps I can delay Fatima. until... I am waiting. I'm coming. Did you find the key? Yes, my lord. Here it is. Oh, you disobeyed me. 
Fatima, you have entered the forbidden room. Oh, Bluebeard, I, I didn't mean to, really. I didn't, but I, I heard them groaning. Of course you did, my dear. They were calling you. They're waiting to welcome you. <laughs> pity. Pity, Bluebeard. What for? Go to your room. Say your prayers. Be ready to come down to join my other wives when I call. And help me. Help me. Fatima. Oh, how white you are. He's going to kill me. I know he will. Oh, heaven help me. Did you put the mirror in the sun? Yes, yes. Then stay by the tower. Tell me what you see. Fatima, I'll give you a moment to say your prayers. Sister Anne. Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? I see nothing but the sun on the grass. Fatima, say all your prayers. <laughs> the time is near. A moment, my lord. Another moment of prayer. Sister Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? I see nothing but the sun on the road in the green grass. The time is up, Fatima. Come down. One moment more, my lord. Only a moment. Oh, Anne, do you see anyone coming? The great dust rises. It's moving this way. Tell me quickly, is it my brother's horses? Fatima, come instantly. <laughs> Alas, my sister, it is only a flock of sheep. Fatima, one second more and I shall come up for you. A moment, my lord. To say goodbye to my sister. Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? I am on the first step of the stairs, Fatima. Anne, do you see anyone coming? Yes. Yes, I see two horsemen. They're a long way off. Can you see? Are they our brothers? Tell me. I think so. Yes, it is. It is. Thank heaven. Oh, Anne, wave your handkerchief. Signal them to hurry. I'm coming up, Fatima. No, don't. I'm coming, my lord. I'm coming. What do I hear? Who dares enter my castle yard? I'll make short work of them. Frederick! Thomas! Help! Help! Save me! He's going to kill me! Hurry! Take down the door! Hurry! Mary and Frederick are prepared. How dare you? Uh, you're sure you're monster. Let me at him, Frederick. Uh, don't spare him. Try to kill him. Uh, I'll you both, you whippersnappers. Uh, Fight me, will you? Yes, don't uh, spare you, monster. Uh, you run me through. I am done for. Oh, my brothers, you saved me. Oh, thank heaven you came when you did. Yes, thank heaven we did. Brave girls, my sisters. Now, come with me to the forbidden room quickly. Help us release those women he's held prisoners. Their torture is at an end, for Bluebeard will never harm anyone again. <laughs> Pretenders for today were... Gwen Davies. Jack Rance. Bluebeard. Bob Reddick. His wife, Nydia. Anne-Marie Geyer. Fatima. Miriam Wolf. Her sister, Anne. Sybil Trent. Her brother, Frederick. Albert Alley. Her brother, Thomas. Arthur Anderson. The original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. The story of Bluebeard was dramatized by Nyla Mack and directed by Albert Ward. If you live in or near New York, and you'd like to see a broadcast of Let's Pretend, drop a postcard to Cream of Wheat, CBS, New York, for your free ticket. This is Bill Adams saying, remember to eat Cream of Wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, Columbia Broadcasting System.
Okay, folks. Um, the, this next one we're going to do is um, something that I have always loved on television. and um, But he was on the radio, too. The Mickey Mouse Theater. And um, what's the name of it? Oh, okay. Mother Goose. presents Mickey Mouse. Uh, hi, folks. With Minnie, Donald Duck, and all the Disney gang. It's Mickey's show, and today the gang goes through the magic mirror to attend the annual Mother Gooseland Jamboree at the court of old King Cole. And hey, now... Mom. Hey, you want to know a secret? No. And now hey, we have... John. Donald and me's got a big business deal. Listen, Goofy, will you please take Donald and your big secret over in the corner till I get through? <laughs> and now, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, hi, John. Hello, Mickey. How are you, John? Oh, I'm fine, Minnie. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are <laughs> Say, Minnie, as I remember, the last time you and Mickey went to Mother Gooseland, old King Cole asked you to play for him, and you'd forgotten your music, remember? Uh-huh. But we won't get caught this time. Mickey and I have something whipped up in case they call on us again. Uh, what's up, nothing? She's had me practicing for three months. Three months? Well, this must be quite an opus. Well, no, but it is pretty difficult, though. It's, um, it's called a chopstick. Oh, chopstick. Huh? <laughs> is that difficult? Sure. Why, we play it. You see, Felix Mills made the arrangement for us. Oh, well, that's different. How about playing it for us? How about it, Mickey? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I don't care. I suppose Felix's orchestra fits into it somewhere, though. Yes, it does. Uh, a little. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting that old classic Chopsticks with Mickey and Minnie sitting side by side on the piano bench and Felix Mills in the orchestra playing the accompaniment. <laughs> a little. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, Clara. Yes, and, and Madam Clara Cluck will turn the pages for Mickey and Minnie. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, yesterday I was out at the Santa Anita racetrack, so today I'm not particularly fond of the word tip. Nevertheless, I am going to give you a friendly tip that's not a risky gamble at all. My tip is this. Select either Pepsodent toothpaste or powder containing irium, and you can be sure you've picked a winner. You see, Pepsodent containing irium literally works wonders on teeth whose true beauty is handicapped by dull, dingy surface stains. Yes, it speedily loosens these stubborn stains so that they gently brush away, revealing natural, pearly brilliance in record time. And all this without grit, pumice, or bleach. So for a sure, safe bet that will win for you all the way, remember my tip, Pepsodent containing irium. The payoff? A sparkling, naturally radiant smile. Okay, what is it, Donald? We'll vote our secret. Oh, it's about our secret. Yeah? Me and Donald is going to put the goose that laid the golden eggs under contract. <laughs> the goose that laid the golden egg, huh? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, she'll be at the Mother Goose Land Ball. You're sure of that, of course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be our managers. Did you see this here contract, John? The last 15 pages are options. We pay her two bucks a week the first 52 years, and three dollars they're him. Oh, I catch. And you two agents get all the golden eggs she lays, huh? <laughs> yeah, John, do you realize that we can get a dime apiece for them golden eggs? <laughs> well, Donald, you... <laughs> You might get two bits on a rising market. Yeah, let him know. Uh-uh. We're going to star her in pictures. You might even put her in Bonneville if she can lay five a day. <laughs> well, do you... You two bandits actually intend to bring the goose back through the mirror? Yeah, you bet, but don't you dash tell Mickey. <laughs> yes, sir, John. You know... You know, John, a goose like that belongs in Hollywood. First off, she's got natural ability. Second off, uh, the pictures is on the look for new faces. Oh, okay, Mickey, call the mirror. We're sure going with you. <laughs> okay, wave in the magic mirror. I command thee to appear. I hear. I come. Master, what is thy command? Thy command shall be obeyed. Look, gang, the picture's starting to form. See there on the side of the hill? What? Why, it's little Bo Peep and her flock of sheep. And there's Jackie Horner and Mary with her little lamb. And look down the road. There goes Simple Simon. And over here, what? Why, that's King Cole's castle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a beautiful castle. Just like in picture books. Getting closer. Look, you're going right inside of it. There you are. It's taking you right into King Cole's throne room. Oh, boy. Come on, everybody. Throw her. So long, guys. Right. Have a good time. Oh, Mickey. Isn't this throne room beautiful? Yeah, and the floor's so shiny you can use it for a looking glass. Gosh, I forgot to brush my hair. You mean them guys with the red golf pants? Goofy, those are uniforms, and I think they're magnificent. I bet you they're all King Cole three fellas, remember? Uh-huh. Let's go over and ask them. Hey, fancy pants, ain't you old King Cole's fiddlers? We're his majesty's musicians, and, and we're proud, proud of our positions. We play everything from swing to symphony. 
Mr. Buck or Mr. Handel couldn't even hold a candle to our classic execution of the bee. What?
Mickey Mouse. Benny, well, bless my soul and body. So you did get here. Oh, yes, yes. Well, well, well. Welcome to Mother Gooseland. Thank you. It was awfully nice of you to invite us. Wasn't it, Mickey? Yeah, uh, thanks, big boy. Mickey. Uh, I mean, uh, your majesty. <laughs> big boy. <laughs> he called me big boy. <laughs> and so I am, you rascal. You know how it is. Another year, another inch. And all around the middle. <laughs> and, and I'm hundreds of years old. Oh, oh, oh. oh my goodness. Um, but um, where is Her Majesty, the Queen of Hearts? Oh, well, she's fine, fine. Oh. She's out in the pantry eating bread and honey. <laughs> After old tricks. Come on. She'll be delighted to see you two again. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Hey, 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 Donald, wait a minute. What's the matter? Look, look over there alongside the throne. Ain't that a goose? <coughs> Donald, we've struck pay dirt. That there critter is the goose that lays the golden eggs. Are you absolutely sure? Well, of course I'm absolutely sure. Look at her. You can always tell class. <coughs> yep, it's her all right. Donald, you know what's underneath them feathers? <coughs> Bullion. She's plumb full of bullion. You mean solid soup? Soup? <laughs> no, no, bullion, solid gold. She's a vault full of gold. And boy, we got the combination. <laughs> now watch, watch quiet now. I'll take a handful of corn out of my pocket and lure her close so that we can size up her picture possibilities. Here, here, goosey, goosey, goosey. <laughs> Oh, 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 boy. Look at her gobble that corn. Yeah, yeah, pr pretend to, pretend to ignore her. I mean, kind of look ignorant. Yeah, you sure do. We gotta make her think we're, we're Hollywood big shots, and then we'll sign her up. I'm gonna act now. You know, Donald, <clears throat> when I had lunch with Daryl and Louie B. yesterday, I says to Daryl, I says, Daryl, what pictures need is new faces? Why don't you give that part of Scarlet O'Hara to a goose? Yeah, and what do you think Daryl said? <coughs> hey, look, Donald, she's impressed, but she's still eating. All we got to do now is sign her up. You let me do the talking, and when I say wow, you shove the contract and fountain pen at her and say sign here. Let's kind of try it out now, huh? Wow. That's perfect. Now watch me rush her off on her feet. Meet him. How'd you like to be in picture? Wow. What do you say, sister? Listen, girlie. Did anybody ever tell you that laying golden eggs is a rare gift? Come to Hollywood and I'll make you the talk of the town. Wow. What do you say, sister? Oh, shucks. She just keeps on eating. Ah, what? Okay, Donald, you go ahead and play. I'll be there in a minute. I want to tell Mrs. Goose that you're serenading her. Maybe that'll help a little. Hear ye, hear ye, friends, and be it known that by very special orders of the king upon his throne, Sir Donald Duck and all his wet foot band will entertain with a very modern number by mere bistouche, by mere bistouche, bistouche. Oh, it means that you're grand. Okay, boys. Wait, 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 wait. 
with a dainty dish prepared by Her Majesty, the Queen. Bring on the blackbird pie. Bring on the blackbird pie. Now isn't that a dainty thing to set before a king?
was beautiful. Hey, hey, Donald, wait a minute. Here comes that goose again. Knows her chance. No, listen, sister. Come on, make up your mind. Get off the dime, will you? Opportunity knocks but once, madam. This is your last chance to be a movie queen and live in sunny California. Tell her about our climate, Donald. Yeah, what's more, in California, we have climate all year round. And on a clear day, you can see the sun. That's right. Come to Hollywood and be a movie queen. Furs, jewels, swimming pools in every room. And it's all yours, sister, for a couple of golden eggs a day. Yes, two golden eggs. And sister, you can't take them with you. Wow. What do you say, beautiful? <laughs> hey, hey, listen, Donald. Did you hear that? Sounded to me like she said, please, fellas, I can't write. Sign for me. <laughs> yeah, give me that pen, huh? Say, did you ever stop to realize, Donald, that all three of us spell our name just plain old X? <laughs> there. No, looky, sister. You're signed up for 52 years, all legal. What do you say to that? Uh, uh. Okay, Mickey. Hear ye, hear ye, subjects of the king. His majesty requests that we begin to sit, that we begin to sit, sit, oh, start the music. Uneasy lies the head they say that wears a crown upon it. Mine doesn't bother me at all. Last week I had to pawn it. Oh, how you do me down, boy, don't be
Hurry up. We got business. Master, it is time to say farewell, or here forever you must dwell. Okay, come on, Dad. Hey, go be Donald. What are you doing? Don't worry, Mickey. We'll be right with you. about your visit to King Cole. Oh, fine. Well, this is wonderful. How about you, Goofy? Have a, a good time? Did I? I'll say a bit. Oh, hey, Goofy, what's that you got stuffed under your coat? Uh-uh. Goofy, you caught the croup. Yes, <laughs> It ain't a croup. It's a... <laughs> Look. Why, Goofy, it's a goose. What do you mean, eh, goose? It's the goose. Goose that laid the golden egg. I'm sorry, Goofy. I forgot. But the goose that laid the golden egg has been dead a thousand years. And what's more, it never even heard of Mother Goose. No, it's an Aesop's fable, silly Willie. Hey, hey, listen. You, you ain't kidding me, are you? Me and Donald's got it under contract. Oh, Goofy, we're not kidding. And what's more, according to that contract, you're stuck for $2 a week for 52 years. Gosh, Donald. We're ruined. <laughs> When you say that, smile. What? You heard me. It talks. You're right, Mickey. It talks English. What did you expect for two dollars? Big Latin. <laughs> and now, just ask yourself this question. Is my smile winning me my full share of friends, good times, romance? If you are the least bit doubtful, you owe it to yourself to look into the matter of a new, more thorough, more effective dentifrice. Yes, you owe it to yourself to at least try New Day modernized Pepsodent paste or powder containing irium. For here you have a really winning combination, Pepsodent with irium, a combination that goes after those dull, dingy surface stains on tooth enamel, brushes these stubborn stains away, leaving your teeth glistening and gleaming with all their full natural brilliance. Let either Pepsodent toothpaste or powder containing irium help bring your smile that sparkle and natural radiance that helps make friendships and good times come your way. Goodbye till next week. Yeah, uh, uh, goodbye, folks. Goodbye, everybody. And, oh. Donald, I suppose your friend the goose will be with us next week. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I will. It's payday. I'll arrange to be here. <laughs> Over your dead body. And I'll arrange that, too. <laughs> again next Sunday at the same time when the Pepsodent Company will again present Mickey Mouse and all the Disney gang. This program has come to you from the Disney Little Theater on the RKO lot. Heard on this program where Someday My Prince Will Come, Hi-Ho, and the Silly Song from the picture Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and by Mere Mr. Jane from Love, Honor, and Behave. 
The orchestra was under the direction of Felix Mills. John Easton speaking. This is the... <laughs> right you are. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This next one, y'all, I didn't discover until I was in my 40s. And I love it. Um, it's called Jump, Jump, and the Ice Queen. And the name of this particular show is um, Sleepy Slim and the Wishing Star. So I hope y'all enjoyed as much as I did. Hello, this is Tim. I'm glad you remembered to meet me here so that I can tell you more about the wonderful Christmas adventure I had with Jump Jump at Holiday House. Yesterday, I told you how I started out to find the North Pole and met Jump Jump, a little elf only three inches tall. He took me to Holiday House, where every day is a holiday, just like Christmas. At Holiday House, I met Achi Padre, the circus clown, and Mary Holiday, Jump Jump's very best friend. I soon guessed that something was worrying Mary Holiday. For instead of being merry all the time, she was worried. Before I could ask her if she too were going to with me to the North Pole, I and Jump Jump fell asleep. I'll be back in a jump to tell you what happened next morning when I woke up in Holiday House. up in Holiday House to hear... Who was that telling me to wake up? I couldn't remember at first where I was. And then when I opened my eyes, I thought I must be dreaming. For sitting on my nose was Jump Jump, the elf who was only three inches tall. He was swinging his legs with her yellow boots and imitating me as I rubbed my eyes. Then I heard Mary Holiday call... Come on, Tim. Come on, Jump Jump. Breakfast is ready. The rock is ready. The rock is ready. The rock is ready. <laughs> you should have seen that little elf trying to help me get dressed. He hopped and jumped from one button to the next, tugged at my sleeve, and acted as if he were dressing me all by himself. Once he slipped into my pocket, and then when his head popped out again, he was pulling my pocket knife behind him. 
It's my knife. Uh, yes, for whittling. For whittling? For whittling and carving things. I like to carve things out of wood. I carve all kinds of things. Toy automobiles and toy train engines. And aeroplanes? Yes, and aeroplanes. And scooters? Yes, and scooters. I'll carve you a scooter sometime, Jump Jump. Don't you want your breakfast? Carve you a breakfast from wood? Oh, no, Jump Jump. I'm sure the breakfast Mary Holiday has prepared for us would be much better. Here, jump in my ear and I'll give you a ride downstairs. Here we go. Whee! And so we went downstairs to say good morning to Mary Holiday. And as we went down the steps, Jump Jump sang that funny little song of his. He never walks, he never runs, he always jumps, it's much more fun. And he's quick as the wind, and his very best friend is Mary Holiday. Good morning, Mary Holiday. Oh, good morning, Tim. My, both you and Jump Jump look happy this morning. I think Jump Jump has adopted you for his very best friend, Tim. That's fine with me. <laughs> oh, yes, Jump Jump, I'm sure you can have lots of best friends. Now, don't get excited. We're having pancakes this morning, and I don't want you falling into the maple syrup. Yesterday, Tim, Jump Jump jumped right into the honey. Oh, all covered with honey. <laughs> How sticky, Jump Jump. Covered with honey, you were very sweet. But I had to soak him in a teacup of warm suds for an hour before he was clean again. Well, I'd hate to fall in a barrel of honey. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you, Jump Jump. Always look before you jump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, maybe that's Santa Claus telephoning at last. Yes, Santa Claus? Hello? Oh. Oh, it's you, Sleepy Slim. It's Sleepy Slim, the lion. You want to come over this morning? Oh, fine, Sleepy Slim. We'll be pleased to have you since it's your day off from the zoo. But hurry. Remember, last time it took you two weeks to come just around the corner to Holiday House because you stopped every two steps to take a nap. <laughs> All right, Sleepy Slim. We'll be looking for you. Goodbye. While Mary was talking on the phone, I'd whittled a toy scooter out of wood for Jump Jump, and I put it by his penny plate. <laughs> Jump Jump was delighted, and when he touched it, it went ping, just like that. And right before my eyes, it was a little scooter with red wheels and even a brake. <laughs> Jump Jump was no more excited than I. Even I began to talk fast. Look, Mary Holiday, look, Jump Jump's scooter, it's real. Oh, I so it is. Oh, but don't you start talking too fast, too, Tim. I'll never know a single word that goes on in my house. Here, Jump Jump, let me put you and your toy scooter on the kitchen tray, and you'll have a regular scooter track. I want to chase the cat. Chase the cat? On your scooter? The kitty chases me. Oh, the kitty chases you only when you tease her. Of course she chases you when you look and squeak like a mouse. like a jet plane. Oh, it's the wishing star. It's the wishing star. See, Tim, here from the window. Archie Pogby the clown is driving the wishing star, and he's brought Sleepy Slim the lion with him. 
waves to Archie Pogley. He doesn't seem to be getting out. Hello, Archie Pogley. Hello, Sleepy Slim. The wishing star is like a silver airplane with five wings instead of two, and it has a long tail. There goes Archie Pogley taking off. what it is. I saw you jump, jump only last uh, Wednesday, wasn't it? Or was it Tuesday or Monday? I sleep so much that it's hard for me to know which day it is. But, but, uh, maybe, I guess it may be Thursday. Uh, we had pork chops on Thursday. Anyway, when I saw you last jump, jump, you were only three inches tall. Just no feet three. Now you must be four feet tall. Four feet one, maybe. My, my, how elves shoot up these days. They must feed you well. I'd rather be an elf myself. <laughs> Sleepy Slim, this isn't Jump Jump the Elf. This is Tim, a boy. Oh, oh, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I tried to. This is Tim. Well, pleased to make your acquaintance, Tim. I'd rather be slim than Tim. Well, I wasn't sure whether to shake hands with a lion or not. It was the first time I'd met a lion close up. He didn't look dangerous. He had big sleepy eyes and a rumpled mane. He still had on his striped nightshirt with his red flannel underwear showing through. So I nodded my head to him and I said, How do you do, Mr. Lion? Mister? My name's not Mister. It's Sleepy. Because I have to sleep so much. I'm very wise, you realize it's really quite a strain. I have to sleep so I can keep from wearing out my brain. Oh, I see. How do you do, Sleepy? My name is not Sleepy. My name is Sleepy Slim. But you said... Can't you see that I'm Slim? I never get to eat. I never get to eat. I never get to eat. I'm very fond of eating. There's food up on my shelf. But if food I take, I stay awake. And then I think, and I can't sleep a week. So you can see it's hard to be the king of beasts who never feast. <laughs> I'd rather be a elf myself. By the way, where is that elf, Jump Jump? Oh, Jump Jump is riding his scooter, which Tim carved for him. He's riding around the kitchen tray, on the kitchen table. Oh, my. What was that? Oh, it must be Jump Jump and his scooter. Maybe he scooted off the table. Oh, oh, here you are, Jump Jump. On the linoleum floor. Is Jump Jump hurt, Mary Holiday? Are you hurt, Jump Jump? No. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, yes, Tim. Look at the scooter. It's broken. <laughs> but I'm sure that Tim will make you another one, Jump Jump. One that will fly. 
One that will fly? Scooters don't fly, they scoot. Were you trying to fly your scooter off the table? Wow. Oh, jump, jump. <laughs> oh, maybe Tim will carve you an aeroplane instead. Yes, I'll carve you an airplane, jump, jump. Or how about a heliocopter? <laughs> What's going on? What happened while I was asleep just now? And what did Jump Jump say? He uh, just said, goody, goody gumdrop. Goody, goody gumdrop? That's a silly thing. <laughs> uh, yes, of course that's silly. I'd rather have some pop than drop. Who ever heard of goody, goody gum pop, Sleepy Slim? <laughs> well, I have. That's who. I've heard of gum pop. I popped some gum once in my face, I did. Here's bubble gum. Who ever heard of gum pop? Why, it got in my mane, that's what it did. Why, I gave up popping bubble gum. I'd rather have a mane than brain. Sleepy Tim. Tim, jump, jump. I'm sorry, but I just can't wait around any longer. We're wasting time. We must hear from Santa Claus because every day is getting nearer Christmas. I'm going to telephone him by way of the Christmas tree hookup. That's funny. The phone's ringing all right. Oh, why doesn't someone answer Santa's telephone? Do you know what I think? Something has happened to Santa Claus, and if we don't save him, there'll be no Christmas for anyone this year. No, no one answered the telephone at Santa's North Pole workshop. When Mary hung up, she turned to us and said, That settles it. We'll all go to the North Pole with Tim and see what's happened to Santa Claus. We'll leave tomorrow on the Wishing Star. And we did leave for the North Pole the very next day. And a very exciting day it was, too. If you'll meet me here tomorrow, I'll tell you exactly what happened on this trip of Jump Jump of Holiday House. Um, I've worked in another Let's Pretend, and um, I just decided I would try another one in case the other one didn't work, but it did work. But anyway, I 
like Les Pretend so well that I just wanted to throw in one more. So, um, we have... Thank you for that great big welcome. <laughs> Doggone, we, we got an echo. <laughs> Everybody's in the act today, Uncle Bill. And we're glad of it. Uh, Sybil, what's our story? The all-time favorite of all the years, Uncle Bill, Cinderella. The same as the records we can get at the music stores? Exactly like it, Uncle Bill. And Arthur Anderson says how we travel. Well, on a brisk morning like this, what could be sweeter than a brisk gallop through the park? Well, fine, Arthur. Give every man a horse he can ride and away we go. One, two, three. <laughs> All right, girls and fellas, head straight for Let's Pretend. Turn left for the story of Cinderella. Let's go. Once upon a time, a cruel woman married a man she didn't love. Then, demanding that he journey far away to increase their wealth, she took her two heartless daughters and arrived at her new husband's home, where, until then, only love and gentle consideration had been known. Now, girls, before we go in, here's what we'll do. The first thing is to put this daughter of his in her place. You're right, Mother. And the sooner, the better. She'll soon find out who's running this place. Are you ready? I'm ready. I certainly am. Remember, don't waver an inch. Oh, how do you do? You're my new mother and my two new sisters. Do come in. Thank you. Father wrote me that you would arrive today. I'm so very happy to welcome you here. May I call you Mother? Indeed you may not. How ridiculous. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say anything that would offend you. I only wanted to welcome you to our house. Your house? Please remember, girl, that from now on, this isn't your house, but ours. Of course. Whatever we have is yours, too, from now on. Are you Flora or Isabella? I'm Flora. But Miss Flora to you, my girl. Please remember your place. I shall be so glad to have two sisters. And you are Isabella, aren't you? I'm Miss Isabella, but don't call me sister. You may help me to dress and wash my clothes if you like, but don't think that we can ever take you into our family, you poor, ugly little thing. And if she expects to live here, she might as well know she'll have to work for her keep. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm sure that she'll never be anything else but a scullery maid, Mother. She's too ugly and clumsy. Yes, <laughs> if she doesn't break all the dishes first. I dare say she'll learn to be useful. Well, why are you sitting over there on the hearth, Simpleton? You'll scatter the cinders all about the room. <laughs> Look at her, girl. <laughs> Trying to hide in them, were you? Well, I know your name from now on. It's 
进肚儿了。<笑>
great big fat one. Splendid. What a jolly driver he'll make. Open the door. What? <laughs> Good evening, pretty princess. I thought I'd never get here. Where to, m'lady? Oh, fairy godmother. <laughs> now he's a coachman in purple livery. Isn't he fun? I'm a jolly one, I am. And the best driver in the country. Hey, whoa, you next. Whoa. Am I ready to go? Indeed not. A fine princess must have footmen. Cinderella, bring me six lizards. Six lizards, godmother? Wherever will I find them? You don't know the magic of fairies, do you? Look. They're by the dooryard. Oh, I see them. Six huge lizards. I'll get them. Here they are. Then here we go. Your footman, princess. Where to, guys? Oh, look. Six handsome footmen in gold uniforms, too. Oh, fairy godmother. Whoa. These horses are getting restless waiting, princess. Now I think we're almost ready. But fairy godmother, look at my dress. It's nothing but rags. How can I go to the ball? Stand still, Cinderella. Close your eyes. Now open them. What do you see? A dress of creamy white velvet trimmed in ermine. And your hair? Silver and crystal roses are twined in my braids. How beautiful. You look like a lovely silver moonbeam, my darling. One thing more. On your feet, tiny slippers of sheerest glass. The loveliest slippers I've ever seen. Footman, you see them crystal slippers? Down off the carriage and carry your highness to the coach. I your service, princess. Now listen carefully, my dear. Go to the ball. But mind, you must return before the clock strikes twelve. Or your coach will change back into a pumpkin and your footman back into lizards. Will you remember? Oh, yes, indeed I will. Oh, thank you, Godmother. I'm the happiest girl in the world, and I'm going to the ball. Good night. Before 12, remember, good night. And thank you a thousand times, Godmother. I didn't know a girl could be so thrilled and so happy. Up on the box, Woodman. Up it is, sir. Get up, Prince Beauty. Get up. Come, Beth. Get up. To the castle. To the castle. <laughs> In spite of her stepmother's refusal, Cinderella, aided by her fairy godmother, goes to the ball. Everyone, including her two stepsisters, Flora and Isabella, is amazed at the beauty of the unknown princess. And all evening, a handsome prince dances with no one else but Cinderella. Oh, my lovely princess. May I take you into supper? Will it give you pleasure, prince? It will be the happiest moment of my evening, princess. I'm not hungry, are you? <laughs> I need nothing more than to gaze at you. Oh, who are you, lovely lady? Why haven't I known you before? What kingdom do you rule? <laughs> Let's say the kingdom of pots and pans, your highness. The kingdom of pots and pans? Oh, I never heard of it. Where is it? <laughs> Just next to China. Oh, Oh, and who are these ladies, Prince? Uh, two of my guests tonight, Your Highness. This is Miss Isabella How and you Miss do? Oh, We are indeed charmed to meet Your Highness. We are so long to know you, Your Highness. Thank you. 
Have we met somewhere before? Oh, unfortunately, no. I'm sure we would never forget such beauty as yours. Your pardon, ladies, but I, I must see the princess for a moment to discuss a matter of state. Oh. It's most important. I'm sure you'll excuse us. Well, of course. We were so happy to meet you, princess. Oh, yes, indeed, we were, princess. Oh, I so I've tried to avoid them all evening. <laughs> Forgive me for saying it, but they're rather silly girls. Yes, I find them so. Now, what is the matter of state you wish to talk about? The state of my heart, princess. Oh. I frankly confess that I'm madly in love with you. Will you marry me and be the queen of my kingdom? Oh, say yes, princess. Your highness, you can't mean oh, that. Oh, lovely lady, I do. But you mustn't. You don't know me. How would you feel if you discovered I weren't really a princess? It wouldn't matter in the least. I'd want to marry you anyway. Oh, you're perfect. From your little golden head to your tiny, tiny feet and their beautiful slippers of glass. Oh, is that clock striking 12? Why? Oh, it couldn't be. It is. I must go. Oh, no. no, no, don't. I must. Goodbye. Oh, a moment, please. Don't go, my princess. Pageboy. Did you see the princess? Did she go this way? Uh, no, sire. Only a very poorly dressed girl went this way. Uh, boy, you must be blind. Look here. Uh, wh where, sire? Here is her little glass slipper. Right on the castle step. Of course she went this way. Well, perhaps she did, sire. I didn't notice. I, I was so excited watching something else. Strangest thing I ever saw. Uh, what was it? Well, sire, there was a gorgeous coach standing at the castle gate with six prancing horses with plumes on their heads and silver harness. Coachman in royal purple and six footmen were waiting. Then, sire, as the clock struck twelve, as if by magic, the horses, the coach, everything disappeared. And, and from out of nowhere, your highness, a pumpkin rolled down the hill, and six little lizards chased six little mice over the rocks. And they were gone. That's all very interesting, but it doesn't tell me where the princess is. I must find her. And I will. Page, attend uh, me. Yes, yes, sire. Tomorrow we begin the search. I shall call on every maiden in the kingdom, and the one who can wear this little glass slipper will be the one I seek. She shall marry me and be my queen. Tomorrow we start. Uh, yes, sir. Queen? Glass slippers? Pumpkins? Lizards chasing mice? Huh. I think I must be needing some sassafras tea. <laughs> so much as one foot in the glass slipper. If anybody can wear it, I can. You, with those feet. Ha! You couldn't get your big toe in it. Is that Cinderella, so? come here quickly. Yes, madam. Sweep the steps. Clean off the hearth. The place must look spotless when the prince enters. Is the prince going to stop here? Of course, Simpleton. Haven't you heard? Heard what? Didn't you know that the beautiful princess lost one of her glass slippers at the coronation ball the other night? And the princess proclaimed he would marry the girl who would wear it? Well, I'm sure it will fit me, so I'll soon be the queen. Oh, madam, if he should stop here, may I try it on, please? Oh, don't be silly. Of course not. Imagine you meeting the prince. In the first place, your feet are bigger than ours. And in the second place, do you think the prince would marry you, a scullery maid, even though the slipper did fit? You listen to me, young lady. Sweep off the steps and then see that you keep out of sight. Very well. Well, go on and get to work. Yes, madam. Listen. Make way for Highness the Prince. Listen. The prince. He's stopping at the door. Oh, mother. 
Come, daughters. Look your pretty. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Open in the name of the prince. How do you do? His Highness the Prince is here. Oh. Have you marriageable daughters that will try on the glass with the Oh, <laughs> of course I have. Tell the Prince to come in, please. Very well, madam. I'll tell the Prince. Now, girls, powder oh. your stockings so the slipper will go on easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm ready, mother. So am I. His Highness the Prince. Good day to you, madam. Oh, your Highness. Oh. Do come in. My daughters are eager to try on the glass slipper. Here they are. Isabella <laughs> and Flora. But you met them at the ball. Heaven forbid. Uh, what did you say? I said, yes, I did. Oh. How do you do again? Oh, Prince, I shall try first. Very well. Here, page boy, try on the slipper. Uh-huh. Yes, I Now, if you'll place your right foot on this pillow, please, my lady. Yes. Then. Ah. Try it again. Well, I'm I'm afraid it's no use, my lady. No, don't tell me that. Try again. Right. Oh, Oh, dear. Ouch. I guess I can't wear it. Ha, ha, ha. I knew you couldn't. Here, Paige, try it on my foot. Yes, my lady. Ouch. Take it off. Start over again. You put it on crooked. Oh, I well. I can't. Isn't it on? Uh no, my lady. Only over your big toe. <laughs> I don't believe it. You see for yourself, miss. Try again. Well, I you're I can't. Oh, Take it off. I wouldn't have such small feet anyhow. No. No, perhaps it's just as well. Good afternoon, ladies. Heaven, it didn't fit them. I, uh, know what you mean, sire. Oh, hello. Here's another girl sweeping the steps. Well, good afternoon, little maid. Paige, wait a moment. Yes, sire. Little lady, will you try on a glass slipper? Why, why, yes, if my stepmother will permit me. Permit you? I command that you try it on immediately. Here, sit on this cushion. Come, boy, the slipper. Oh, yes, sire. Your right foot, please, my lady. Look, Look sire, the slipper fits perfectly. What? Why, oh, you see, sire, without an effort, it slipped right on her foot. Let me look at you, little maid. What? You. You are the princess of my dreams. I fell in love with you. I danced with you at the castle. But then you disappeared. You are the one, aren't you? Yes, sire. It was I who danced with you. And here is the mate to the slipper in my pocket. At last I've found you, my beautiful princess. Not a princess, sire. Just a scullery maid. Princess or maid, I found you again, and that's all that matters. What is your name? They call me Cinderella, Your Highness. My lovely Cinderella, once more I ask you, will you be my bride and queen and rule my kingdom with me? In spite of my rags, you ask me to be your queen? In spite of everything, you're the most precious thing in life to me. Will you say you'll marry me? Yes, my prince, I will. And let the wedding chimes announce that I have found the lady of my heart. Cinderella, the loveliest maiden in all the world, has promised to be my queen. The pretenders for today were...
Cinderella. Marilyn Erskine. The Prince. Albert Alley. The Stepmother. Miriam Wolfe. Isabella. Gwen Davies. Flora. Daisy Alden. The Fairy Godmother. Sibyl Trent. The Page Boy. Jack Rhymes. The Driver of the Coat. Arthur Anderson. Original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. These stories are dramatized and directed by Nyla Mack. This is Bill Adams reminding you that if you live in a locality that is not on daylight saving time, let's pretend we'll be heard next Saturday morning, one hour later. So consult your local newspaper for the exact time of the broadcast. And remember to eat cream of wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting Company. Ah, here's one of my favorite stories, Jack and the Beanstalk, and it comes from the great Gildersleeve stories for children. Actually, it's Gildersleeve stories for children, but that's that's who he is, good old Harold Peary. So, um, anyway, who's, who's he? He's the one who played Gildersleeve. Oh. And, um... Once there was a poor widow woman who lived with her only son, a boy named Jack. They lived in a tiny little cottage at the foot of a high, steep cliff, and they had a pretty hard time getting along. Often there wasn't really enough for them to eat. And then one winter, Jack's mother was sick, fever and chills and so on, and things got so bad she finally decided to sell the family cow. The cow had been with them a good many years, but there was nothing else to do. So one morning, Jack started off to the market to sell it. He hadn't gone very far, though, when he met a man sitting beside the road with a basket full of beautiful beans. They were extraordinary-looking beans, all different colors, blue and red and yellow, and Jack stopped to admire them. Those are certainly beautiful beans, he remarked to the man. If I had any money, I'd buy them. The bean man gave him a nice, friendly smile and said, Well, my boy, seeing it's you, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll trade those beautiful beans for that old cow you've got there. <laughs> and the boy fell for it. Well, sir, when Jack got home and showed his mother what he got for the cow, a handful of beans, the poor woman burst into tears. She scolded Jack, and Jack said he was sorry, but of course there was nothing he could do except plant the beans in the backyard. He did that right away. And next morning, what do you suppose he saw? During the night, the beans had climbed right up the side of the cliff behind the house, and they'd grown so fast the tops of the beanstalks were clear out of sight. And the way the stalks were intertwined, they formed a kind of ladder. And you know what popped into Jack's head as soon as he saw it? I could climb it, he thought to himself. So he started up the beanstalk. He climbed and he climbed and he climbed and he climbed. 
Then all of a sudden, he looked down. Gee! It was so far to the ground, he was dizzy. But he shut his eyes and gritted his teeth and kept on climbing. And pretty soon, he was at the top. He stepped off the beanstalk and found himself standing before a beautiful castle. The biggest, most beautiful castle he'd ever seen. And he was just wondering who lived there when he heard a voice call his name. My goodness, Jack thought, who knows me way up here? Then he heard the voice say, Jack, in this castle lives the giant who killed your father. This castle and all the treasures in it rightfully belong to you and your mother. A hen that lays golden eggs and many bags of gold and a magic heart. Jack looked around, but he couldn't see anyone, so he decided the voice must belong to a fairy, and he was probably right. He went boldly up to the castle gate and blew on the horn that was standing there. They had horns instead of doorbells in those days. In a moment, the gate swung open, and there stood an enormous lady giant. She was a good 20 feet tall with nasty little red eyes and long, scraggly hair. And when Jack saw her, he was the scariest boy that ever climbed a beanstalk. Now change the record, and we'll see what happened. When Jack saw the lady giant, he started to run. But she just reached out and grabbed him by the coat collar with one finger and hoisted him up in the air. Not so fast, little man, she said. I need a cute little fellow like you to help me with my housework. Oh, no, said Jack. Please let me go. But the lady giant said, You better be quiet, little man. If my husband should wake up and hear you, he'd eat you for breakfast. And with that, she carried Jack into the castle, shut the door, and set him to washing the giant's supper dishes from the night before. And no hot water. As he was finishing, he heard a terrifying sound. Clump, clump, clump. Someone with size 36 shoes was coming down the stairs. Quick, said the lady giant. Here comes my husband. Hide in this cupboard here. So Jack hid in a huge cupboard in the kitchen. But he could peep out through the keyhole and see everything that happened. Well, evidently, the giant thought something funny was going on. He came tromping into the kitchen and he roared, Fee-fi-fo-fum! I smell the blood of an Englishman! But Mrs. Giant said to her husband, What's the matter with you this morning, dear? There's no one around. What you smell is an elephant steak I fixed for your breakfast. Now sit down and eat it, for goodness sake. So the giant sat down, a little grumpily, and Jack peeped through the keyhole and watched him shovel in the food. A quarter of an elephant the giant ate, with a hundred boiled eggs and a couple of loaves of toast on the side. And his table manners. Oh, I hope yours are nothing like them. When the giant finished, he said to his wife, Now, dear, bring me my magic hen. And she hurried and brought him a little brown hen, set it on the table, and ran off upstairs to make the beds. When the giant was alone... He looked at the hen ferociously and said, Hooray! And the little brown hen laid a golden egg. Like that. And the giant said again, Hooray! And she laid another one. And a third time the little hen laid a golden egg. And with that the giant fell fast asleep. And oh, how he snored. But as soon as Jack saw the giant was asleep... He popped out of the cupboard, grabbed the hen, and ran like a blue streak out of the kitchen door. And he climbed down the beanstalk much faster than he came up. Well, naturally, Jack's mother was delighted to see him. But when Jack told her he was going back to the giant's castle for the other treasures, she was terribly frightened. And it took a lot of coaxing before she finally gave her consent. So in the morning, he disguised himself a little, climbed the beanstalk, 
and blew the horn at the castle gate. And Mrs. Giant came right out and hired him to do housework, just as she had the day before. <laughs> she wasn't very smart, but most giants aren't, fortunately. Oop! Time to change the record. Jack went in the castle and did a little housework. And then down the stairs came the giant again. Clump, clump, clump. And his feet sounded even bigger than the first time. The lady giant popped Jack into the cupboard, and just as he was inside, he heard the giant roar, Thief, I fall from! I smell the blood of an Englishman! Be he alive or be he dead! I'll grind his bones to make my bread! Jack shivered in the cupboard, but Mrs. Giant just laughed at her husband and said, I don't know what's getting into you, my dear. There's nobody around but just little me. And she sat her husband down to his breakfast of a dozen roast turkeys with a barrel of cranberry sauce. When he finished, she brought him his bags of gold, and then went upstairs to make his bed. And the giant amused himself by counting his gold. There was plenty of it, too, until he fell fast asleep. No sooner was he asleep than Jack jumped out of the cupboard, picked up the bags of gold, and ran for the beanstalk. In a moment, he was at the bottom, faster than ever. And before you could save Jack and the beanstalk, he was pouring the bags of shiny gold pieces into his mother's lap. But he was determined to go once more and get the magic heart. So the next morning, he got up early, climbed the beanstalk, and went to the castle gate and blew on the horn. Out popped the lady giant. She looked at him suspiciously. You aren't the boy I hired yesterday, are you? She asked. Who, me? said Jack. I've never been here before in my life. Mrs. Giant took him in. And when the giant came clumping down the stairs, she pushed Jack into the cupboard as before. Three, five, four, five. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. And this time I mean it. It's your imagination, dear, said his wife. And she made him sit down and eat his breakfast, a fricasseed horse. And then he asked for his magic harp. When she brought it, the giant set the harp down beside him, and he said, Play! And the harp played a lovely, sad little song all by itself. In fact, it was so nice, the giant went fast asleep. Zing! Jack was out of the cupboard. Whoop! He grabbed the magic harp. Whee! The harp began to holler. Master, master, cried the harp. The giant woke up and saw Jack carrying out of the door with a harp under his arm. He jumped up and tore out after him, puffing like a locomotive. Jack reached the beanstalk first and went down it just like opening a zipper. But as he reached the ground, he looked up and saw the giant clambering down after him. The beanstalk swayed. But it was holding, and Jack called to his mother. Mother, bring me the axe! Please! Jack always said please. His mother came rushing out with a family hatchet, and Jack hacked and chopped. And just as the giant was almost on top of him, the last stalk gave way, and he fell to the ground and broke his neck. If you ask me, it was his own fault. Anyhow, Jack and his mother went up and lived in the castle with their magic harp and the little brown hen. And they were mighty happy. Well, who wouldn't be? <laughs> Guys, this guy is trying to make me think I'm going crazy. <laughs> um, I I'm glad I'm not married to him because he'd probably try to get me in an insane asylum. But um, Well, gaslighting is so. my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, here's, a, here's another cute little show that I didn't discover until my adult years. I think I discovered it in my 30s. Um, it's called Cinnamon Bear. And... Um, the name of this episode is Patio Cinnamon. Enjoy, and here we go. 
And here's the cinnamon bell. story of the Cinnamon Bear and his very marvelous adventures with Judy and Jimmy Barton. But we can't very well meet the Cinnamon Bear until we meet Judy and Jimmy. They are twins, and they live in a big, old-fashioned house. At this very minute, they're in the upstairs sitting room, and from all I can hear, Judy and Jimmy are busily engaged in that very pleasant task of writing letters to Santa Claus. Let's listen. How are you getting along with your letter, Jimmy? Oh, pretty well. I guess I've got about everything down here. Now, don't go asking for everything the way you did last year. Oh, you girls are all alike. I bet you if we counted the things in your letter and the things in mine, you'd have the most. I bet you I wouldn't either. You would. Well, I won't argue about it. But I bet you my letter is more dignified than yours. Now, stop bothering me so I can finish it. Let me see. P.S. And Santa, there's just one thing more I'd like. A nice red V L. Well, that's not right. Jimmy, how do you spell velocipede? Uh, velocipede. Uh, V-A... Oh, you're too old for a velocipede anyway. Uh, I guess maybe you're right. Judy, Jimmy. Yes, Mother. Come here, Mother. Have you finished those letters to Santa Claus yet? Uh-huh. Yes. That's good, because we've something very important to do. What's that, Mother? What do you suppose I have in these cardboard boxes here? I know. Our Christmas tree ornaments. <laughs> yes. And you promised us we could help you go through them to see if any of them were broken. Right. Oh, let's hurry, Mother. I can't wait. Just a minute. I'll put them right here on the table. Oh, boy. I hope that little pink Santa Claus didn't get broken. We'll see. Oh. Aren't they beautiful? I'll say I like those big gold ones specially. Everything seems to be pretty much in order. All the tinsel is here, the light. Everything seems to be here except... Uh... Except what, Mother? Well, I can't see the silver star anywhere. You mean the big one we always put way up on top of the tree? Yes, but I don't see it in any of the boxes. Oh, gee, Mom. I'd feel most awful if anything happened to that old silver star. Me too. Well, we've had it on top of our tree for years and years. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the silver star. Now, don't cry, Judy. It's probably just misplaced. I remember Uncle Jed took some things up to the attic last year after Christmas. Perhaps he put it away up there. Could we go up and look for it, Mother? I don't like to have you running around in that old attic. You might get hurt. Besides, it's too cold. But, Mother, please, we've just got to find the silver star. And we have our sweaters on. All right. But you've got to promise to be careful and not stay too long. We won't, Mother. Honest, we won't. Where should we look first? If Uncle Jed put it away, it's probably in that big trunk in the corner by the window. Be careful you don't hurt your fingers when you open it. We'll be careful. Come on, Jimmy. Okay, here we go up the stairs. Now, don't run, children. You, you might fall and get hurt. All right, Mother dear. Pass them up the freighty cat. Chip sure are steep stairs. Yeah. They're a lot steeper than Mary Louise has at her house. I bet these are the steepest stairs in the world. Sure they are. Here we are. I beat and you're a Freddy cat. You didn't either, Beat. I got here at the same time, and I'm not a Freddy cat. All right, then. We both beat. Okay. But if we both beat, who is a Freddy cat? Oh, Charlie Simpson's a Freddy cat. Yeah. Gee, there sure is a lot of stuff up in this attic. Yeah, just look at all those suitcases and boxes and things. Yeah. And there's that old spinning wheel and the music box. And... Oh, Judy, there's the old trunk Mother told us to look in. Must be awful full of things. 
The top has been closed all the way down. Well, you get on one side, Judy, and I'll get on the other. And then we can both lift at the same time. All right, Jimmy. <sighs> Gee, that was kind of heavy. Oh, look, Jimmy. There's one of those old crazy quilts right on top. Take it off and we'll see what's underneath. Okay. There. Mmm. Smells like mothballs, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Do you see the silver star anyplace? Uh-uh. Just a lot of old clothes and stuff. Let's lift this top thing out. Come on, Judy, help me. All right. <laughs> now, let's see. See, here's a small box of ornaments. Uh, but they're all broken, Jimmy. And the silver star isn't there. Gee, here's one that's not broken. It's a pretty little airplane. It's made out of gold glass or something. We'd better take that downstairs with us. Why don't you put it someplace where it won't get broken? I'd better, I guess. I'll just set it on top of this old dresser here. Find anything else, Judy? You bet. Look at this, Jimmy. A little teddy bear with a green ribbon around his neck. Gee, he isn't any more than four inches high. Look, look what I found, Judy. A real honest-to-goodness telescope. He lit a dandy ground set. I bet that belonged to Uncle Jed when he was a sailor. I bet so, too. He sure is a wonderful telescope. When I look through it, everything seems a million times bigger. Boy, I bet if I was out on the roof, I could see clear over to England. Farther than that, maybe. You know what, Jimmy? What? This teddy bear is the teeniest one I've ever, ever seen. Sure is. Uh, say, Judy, I bet if we looked at him through this telescope, he'd be a lot bigger. Let's see, shall we? I'll lean him against the back of the trunk and you look. All right. Now, just wait till I get it fixed. Jiminy Crickets. What do you see, Jimmy? Willikers. He looks bigger than anything. Take a look, Judy. Let me see. Goodness. He is big, isn't he? Why, he looks almost as big as we are, only he really isn't. If you'd move over a little, Judy, we could both look at the same time. There. That's it. Can you see him? Plain as day. Judy. Judy, he moved. The bear moved. Didn't you see him moving? I thought I did, but sure he moved. Gosh, garage. Judy, listen. He made a noise. Maybe it was just a creaky board. No, it wasn't any creaky board. It was that bear, and I'm going to talk back to him. Oh, Jimmy... Maybe you better hadn't. Oh, don't get scared. He can't hurt you. He's really only four inches high. Hey, you. You teddy bear. Hello. Oh, did you hear him, Judy? Did you hear him? He growled at me. Oh, he did, didn't he? Say, Jimmy, ask him if he's a really, truly live real bear. All right. Hey, teddy bear, tell us, who are you? I'm the cinnamon bear with the shoe button eyes. And I'm looking for someone to take by surprise. I go prowling and prowling each night after dark. But the folks say my growl's just a cinnamon bark. Though I growl, growl, and I growl, growl, my victims only say, Oh, who's afraid of you? I'm the cinnamon bear with the shoe button eyes. And I'm happy and fluffy and tough for my size. I devour lots of honey and cinnamon buns just to make me ferocious, but nobody runs. Now I'll growl, growl, and I'll growl, growl. And if you like to pray, I'm much obliged to you. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful, Cinnamon Bear. Garage. Jimmy, let's pretend we're really afraid, huh? It'll make him feel good. Oh, all right. Oh, don't give us a scare like that again, Mr. Bear. Garage. Oh, Judy, I'm scared. Garage. Oh, Jimmy, hold my hand tight. 
Sure, and did I really frighten you? Terribly. You just about scared the daylights out of us. Well, I promise not to frighten you anymore. That is, not until my ferocious nature gets the better of me again. Now, would you be kind enough to tell me your names? I always keep a record of the people I scare. I'm Jimmy, and I'm his sister, Judy. I'm much obliged to meet you, I'm sure. My name's Paddy O'Sullivan. That sounds Irish. Uh, sure, I'm slightly Irish. That's why I wear this green ribbon around my neck. But tell me, what are you two doing up here? Well, we lost a silver star that goes on top of the Christmas tree. Have you ever seen a cinnamon bear? A silver star? Did it have five points? I, well, I think so. Sure, I've seen it lots of times. Oh, show us where the silver star is, cinnamon bear. Oh, it's not here now. It, it's gone. Gone? Oh, dear. What shall we ever do now? Well, who took it? Why, the crazy quilt dragon, to be sure. Who is he? Oh, just a dragon. Not a very good one at that. He's terribly fond of shiny, bright things. Every day for the past month, he's been running into the trunk to admire the silver star. And this afternoon, it got the best of him, I guess. He just upped and ran off with it. <laughs> oh, now we'll never, never see the silver star again. <laughs> now, don't carry on like that. You can get the silver star back. Well, maybe. How? By going after the crazy quilt dragon. Chase him. I'll help you. Will you really? Oh, sure I will. Crazy Quilt's no great friend of mine. And besides, you were both very obliging and got perfectly terrified when I growled at you. Oh, you're the most wonderful cinnamon bear in the whole wide world. It's very nice of you to say it. Well, if we're going to catch up with the Crazy Quilt dragon, we better get going. Where do you think he went, Patty? Well, if I know Crazy Quilt, he probably headed for the Lollipop Mountains. The Lollipop Mountains? Well, how do we get there? You see that little hole in the wall by the music box? Yes. Well, we just pop right through there. Oh, but Patty, Judy and I can't get through that little hole. Oh, yes, you can. It's very simple, really. All you and Judy have to do is degrow. What do you mean, degrow? Oh, just degrow. Get smaller and smaller and smaller until you're only four inches high, like me. Gosh, we can't do that. Why, it's impossible. Nothing's impossible. I can show you how to do it in a jiffy. Phew, that sounds most magical. Workers, show us how, Patty. Quick. All right. Now listen very carefully, and I'll tell you how to degrow. Well, well, if the cinnamon bear can show Judy and Jimmy how to degrow until they're only four inches high, then as Judy says, it really will be most magical. And maybe they'll be able to catch the crazy quilt dragon and recapture their precious silver star after all. Anyway, be sure to listen next time and find out just how the cinnamon bear manages to make Judy and Jimmy only four inches high. y'all last but not least we got the cherry on top that I promised you and it is a Shirley Temple file and uh, I was lucky to have some of these and I hope I'm gonna get some more and I'll be sharing more of them with you um, they're like little clips that come from her movies and stuff and um, apparently they must have played them on the radio back then a lot um but anyway uh y'all will probably remember this one i forgot what movie it came from but 
but I have fun swallowing animals one by one. In every bowl of soup I see lions and tigers watching me. I make them jump right through a hoop. Those animal crackers and my soup. When I get hold of the big bad wolf, I just push him under the ground. Then I bite him and a million bits and I go pull him right down. When they're inside me where it's dark, I walk around like Noah's Ark. I stuff my tummy like a goop with animal crackers and my soup. Animal crackers in my soup do funny things to me. They make me think my neighborhood is a big menagerie. For instance, there's our janitor. His name is Mr. Klein. And when he hollers at us kids, he reminds me of a lion. for today folks um, I hope you'll join us again next week at this same time and um, where I'll be having more stuff for you Lord only knows what it'll be but I promise I'll add a children's thing in it whatever I do so um, anyway because uh, Victor's threatened to beat the tar out of me if I don't so not quite. He, not quite. He's violent that way, you know. I, I don't know why I work for him, but you know, I don't work for me. I, I can't. I, I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's kind of what best pals do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it,
remember to like, share, and subscribe.